Welcome to the Venue Solutions Podcast, where we talk about everything data center, information technology, cybersecurity, and more. I'm William, Venue's data center sales engineer and one of your hosts. Hi, I'm Eric Malatesta, Venue Data Center Infrastructure Manager and also one of your hosts. And I'm Michael Faisley, Venue's Network Infrastructure Manager and Cybersecurity Specialist. And I'm also one of your hosts. This is Venue Podcast number 87 for Tuesday, March 14th, 2023. In this podcast, Eric, Michael, and I discuss virtual desktops, the pros and the cons to consider when developing a virtual desktop platform. All this and more in the next Venue Podcast. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Venue or any guest's employer. Hey, guys. How's it going today? Hey, Will. Hey, Will. Hey, Michael. We So we... We haven't done one of these in a little while. It's 2023, so this is actually our first podcast for the new year. Holy cow, I got older. <laughs> Even though it's <laughs> March, uh, but hey, you know, life happens and some things, you know, we, 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 we get busy sometimes and sometimes we uh, don't get the podcasts out regularly, but we do get them out. We so. do. <laughs> sometimes they've fallen between the cracks here for a while as life got busy and, and the end of the year got busy. So yeah. here we are. Yeah, the last one actually, um, the last one we did was on a recap of VMworld uh, 2022, and that was back in September, so we had a few months hiatus, but uh, we definitely are back with a vengeance, and also um, some things already in the can that we can start kind of some new topics and some exciting things coming up in the future. Yeah, and after the the VMware one, we had talked about so many like follow ups to that as well. So we got oh yeah, we've got got some things. We've got some things in the can and some things that are really interesting. We're going to talk about containerization and Kubernetes and and Chat GPT. I'm just joking about that. Maybe we'll virtual desktops. Maybe we'll slip that one in somewhere. But Eric, exactly today we're going to talk about virtual desktops. Um, Something we've actually talked before. On different in different occasions on podcasts when we talk about disaster recovery or data protection, we typically end up talking about, you know, a virtual desktop, you know, and, and, and how is that important in doing, um, you know, doing doing DR. It's, it sometimes can be very important, but um, I thought it would be interesting to do an episode just on virtual desktops and kind of what we've learned here at Venue and what we see and what we have customers ask 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 for, right? And do we have customers asking for this? We do. Not not every day. Okay. Not every day. Yeah. But we do have customers. We, we, we mainly see virtual desktops or hosted desktops or VDI, whatever, whatever you want to call it. We'll explain this a little bit in more detail soon. Uh, when people are talking DR, you know, we do a lot of DR because what happens if someone says, hey, my building burned down and all my desktops are gone, right? Well, you have to have yep. something to connect to that, that provides a desktop to your users. And typically we see this in DR where we'll say, hey, let's pretend your office is burned to the ground, your laptops and desktops are gone. How are you going to access those machines, right? And what we typically will say is, you know, have your people either use their home computer or go get a computer from Best Buy or a tablet or some end user device and connect it to the network. And then you'll access a desktop that's hosted near your servers, right? Near your data. And that's how you work for um, in a DR solution. Then typically that works out really good for customers, right? It, it may not be the most 
familiar in, uh, familiar interface, right? Because things may be different. They're not on their computer with their cat wallpapers or dog wallpapers or whatever, and their favorites are not there or something like that. But they get the job done. So um, we had a customer come to us a few months ago. And they basically talked to me because I'm, I'm the sales engineer for this particular customer. And they said, William, what do you think about virtual desktops? And I was like, well, they're great, <laughs> you know, depending. And That's interesting that you said that because you didn't even use our own virtual desktop. What's that? Uh, I remember a conversation with you about um, using our own virtual desktop to run some services one day about a week ago. Oh, you mean when I needed to run something and yeah, I you, said, this. you said, well, why don't you use our Citrix desktop we've had for years? And I forgot all about it, actually. What did I tell you afterwards? And I'm making fun here, but what did I tell you afterwards, Eric? Like, man, this was pretty good. I said it was really good. We need to use this more. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it got the job done, right? All right. All right. All, all, all shenanigans aside, the customer came to me and said, William, I've got a problem. I was doing some work and one of my customers, one of my end users was working and their laptop failed in the middle of a presentation or something. And, you know, we had issues and we, we had to, you know, scramble around to get something back. And it was, it was a problem. And I've always heard the idea of virtualized desktops can save the day. And what do we say in IT all the time to people when they make generalizations there's two it, words it, it depends it depends exactly <laughs> Eric. you you win the the gold carrot right it depends right and, and normally what i tell these people is like well it, it can help because you know if you're storing your data in the cloud or on your you know on a file server or or an application server in your data center you know, your, your, your risk is less, you know, you still have to worry about the device that's in the customer's hands, right? You know, if your laptop fails, you can't just conjure up a virtual machine in your head and connect to the, to the infrastructure, right? You have to have something to touch. You have to interface with a physical, a physical device, right? A conduit. A conduit. Yes. Basically. Yes. Um, you know, so yeah. I said, you know, I said that we you know, virtualized desktops can make things easier and also make things more challenging. But in general, it's a step in the right direction, right? So the customer came to us and said, okay, well, you know, let's talk about the pros and cons and what options are available to me, right? And, you know, I said, in your situation, um, you know, we think the best solution for you when you're just starting this journey on virtual desktops is do something it's not, not very impactful to you cost-wise, something you can kind of spin up in a day, you know, take a take an hour or so, get the environment up, and then kind of start introducing this to your users. Because it is a it is a culture shift, right? Sure it is. I yeah, mean, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, going from having my laptop, and, and, and look, I would venture to guess, I mean, if you were to poll... If you were to poll every human being that uses a computer in this world, everyone, I bet you something like 70% of them are using a, a quote-unquote laptop or a mobile, mm -hmm. movable computer. But 95 or 98% of those never take it off their desk. It's sitting on their desk all the time, never moves, right? So 
that's what we're familiar with. We're familiar with sitting down at our desk, putting our hands on our keyboard, whether it's a you know a, a remote keyboard like this or whether it's the keyboard on your actual device, and then we're working. Mm-hmm. What we're not used to doing is saying, hey, all I have is this phone. Now what do I do? And then you say, well, you can still pull up your – your remote desktop or your virtual desktop or your, uh, your, your VDI infrastructure yeah. and work. Maybe you have to use a, your fingers to type in a little bit, or maybe you have to use your finger to, to use as a mouse, but, but it's all there. Right. Yeah. But that is a culture shift because it's the idea of, of not having to be at your desk, but then having to know that there is an interface, which or as Michael said, a conduit with which to get into an environment that, should look familiar enough to you that you can get around. So when I get in, I see a start button or I see my word application or my Excel or my Google doc or whatever it is I'm using. Right. Yeah. So, so the, once you get them in, it should look familiar enough to them that they can continue working. If, if only at a degraded performance level just because of familiarity where things are. Yeah. yeah. And also we'll talk about some of that when we talk about like the dependence on the network, right? If you're working sure. on a Word document, uh, you can be on the beach with your laptop and work on that Word document without any network connectivity at all, right? Yeah. But, sure. you know, and this is why in today's world things have gotten so much the, – the, the case for virtualized desktops have become so much – more valid because now I can take my phone, you know, with 5G or even, you know, uh, LTE and get a pretty darn good connection um, on my sure. device anywhere really in the world. And now things with things like Starlink and all this other satellite malarkey, right? I can really get connectivity anywhere. Um, then it makes sense to be able to work on that document in the cloud and just use the device, the hardware as that conduit, right? And I think we're gonna as we as we get farther into this this podcast, I think we're gonna we're gonna discover and learn that there are already industries that are very familiar with this, yeah, right, and very used to this and ready for this and and embracing of this. And then there's the rest of us who, you know, who go to a kicking and, and screaming kind of so to say. Yeah. Uh, but I think as we go as we we go down and we start seeing the use cases for some of this, other than just DR, I think that's where we're, we're going to see we're going to see that there is a, an actual world out there, and this is the reason why these things exist, right? Is yeah. that there's complete industries that do all of their business via virtual desktop. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, for me, Eric, you know, and and I used to be really of the mindset of I didn't want to do a virtual desktop because I could have my nice hardcore uh, laptop with all my RAM and CPU and display and it looks great. Um, and I wanted to have that experience ever, everywhere I go. The thing is about virtual desktops is a lot of the infrastructure now is very performant. Network connections are really you know, are, are, are there everywhere, right? You've got good connectivity. But now for me, the, 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 the pro is I can be working on my, on my work laptop, securely connected to my desktop in cloud, do my work, but then maybe I go on vacation, right? And I take my, my, my home laptop or my device or my, my whatever, my iPad with keyboard, right? And mouse, you can actually plug a mouse into it. Well, connect a mouse to them now. And I can have the similar and similar experience on any endpoint 
that that I have, and I know that that connection between my my endpoint and cloud is secure. Sure, and that's where that flexibility comes in, right? Exactly. That, that, that pro of of I don't. It doesn't matter what I'm running. I can be like a really hardcore Linux person. I can be somebody fully invested into the Apple ecosystem and have, you know, MacBooks and iPhones and all this stuff and say I want to use my MacBook and I'm, I'm not a Windows guy. But I I get that, that same experience across all different types of platforms. Exactly. Highly, highly flexible. Exactly. So yeah. let's talk about the pros and cons. Right. And when we talk about there, well, we're going to get there. But when we talk about let's talk, let's let's kind of lay some some ground rules. You'll hear hosted desktops, virtual desktops, VDI, which stands for virtual desktop infrastructure. Right. What are the what are the different flavors? Right. And and we're going to get into some of the flavors. It's basically no matter what you do, (laughs) it's a desktop that's not next to you sitting down, right? Whether if it's a shared desktop, when you start looking at things like uh, remote desktop services from Microsoft, or maybe it's a Citrix environment, or maybe it's a VMware Horizon environment that is more, um, you would think more of, of it being a quasi-shared but also dedicated uh, virtual machine per user, right? And all of these solutions, even even Microsoft remote desktop services can do um, images, you know, hosted on like a Hyper-V environment where what your user logs in, they get their image, they get their own virtual server. Sure. But most commonly... They have their own backgrounds, they can have their own short, uh, shortcuts, their own yeah. favorites, everything's there. Yeah. Most commonly though, when we, you know, in the data center, when we log, when we talk it, we talk about Microsoft remote desktop, we're talking session hosts, and that's kind of where I'm going to get in on our first discussion about things being really inexpensive to start and and that kind of is the gateway drug into um desktop virtualization because most likely everyone's got windows server licensing you've got some type of virtualization that you can build this environment on and a network to make it work pretty pretty just pretty pretty quickly and then you can kind of say hey i'm going to introduce this to my users maybe they really dig it and we can start doing more of this or maybe it's the horrible horrible um decision let's just go back to you know, discrete desktops. So number one, the pros really in my mind, and we can, you know, we can vote on this later, is really security. That's one of the things that I really like about a VDI environment. Yes. You know, I, I think that's probably, you're probably hitting on the number one thing that that virtual desktops and, and remote desktops and all the all those other acronyms uh, that they all point to the same thing is is security and controllability of of the platform and the access to data. Exactly, yeah, it makes it really easy to centralize that control for an IT admin and say, all right, here are the apps that you have. You know, I'm going to put this endpoint protection on it, this MFA, all all of these security tools that I like to use as an IT admin. Those are all there. I don't have to worry about tracking down laptops across the nation or across yes. whatever my geographic region is to put those in place. Yeah, because yeah. you could have a, a, an end user find a way to either stop services or do things or monkeying around on the system where they turn off certain things, maybe by accident, right? I don't, you know, you, you like to think things aren't done maliciously, but, you know, maybe something happens and their machine reboots, has a, a bad patch or something happens and their endpoint protection software gets turned off. 
Okay. Now they're connecting into, you know, some network somewhere and, and they can introduce problems, right? With, with a managed desktop or a, or a virtual machine that's running a desktop environment for a customer, really that security is more closely managed by the cybersecurity team, right? Because they're looking at those desktops, making sure that the applications are pushed down to those virtual desktops and that they're compliant. Uh, and then, of course, you layer on things like, you know, multi, multi-factor authentication, where for me to even connect to my desktop, I have to log in with not only a user ID and password, but also some type of two, two-factor authentication, uh, whether if it's a hardware key or, you know, um, an application, um, you know, on, on your mobile phone yeah. or even a hardware key, right, if you're doing things like RSA or something like that you've got another level that even brings more security, even even more security, I would say, than a person running a desktop in their hands. Sure. So and I think I think all of us that go to our doctors probably see this every day. So when you walk into your doctor's office, you're going to be sitting in your office in, in a little area waiting for them to come in, and there's going to be a computer there, and the screen's going to be black. And when they walk in, they're going to hit control Alt delete and it's going to be a Citrix screen of some kind or a remote desktop screen because in a hospital, there is nothing more important than security because they don't want – any, they don't want this doctor seeing patient data from the other doctor, and they don't want this nurse seeing data from this other procedure, and, and so on and so yeah. forth. So, so all of that stuff is strictly controlled by the remote desktop sessions. Typically, at Citrix, not always, but and you'll see this every single day when you walk in the other place. You'll see it very commonly as well as in banks. Yeah. Right. So I sit down. I'm a bank teller. I sit down at my bank. I log into my session, and I have access on my desktop to the the bank vault, and that's it. Right. And so that's the other place you see that at. So we see this already as as human beings, generic people. We we see this, in, and we're semi accepting of this because we see it, and we don't realize we're seeing it. But this is already very prevalent in our world. Exactly. And, and, and you're, it's all you're because absolutely, of security. Yeah, you're absolutely right about, you know, when you look, when you go to your doctors or, or even your bank, typically they're using Citrix. Um, and, and we'll get to some of the pros and cons of Citrix, you know, mostly sure. pros, really, honestly. Uh, Citrix does have a, a well-established security track record when it comes to, it, to those uh, verticals, right? Because sure. you do have enhanced security and, and flexibility with Citrix. Um, so security, I think, is really the number one, you know, reason why people think about going to hosted desktops or virtual desktops or VDI, whatever. The next really is cost, and and cost really can be a pro or a con. I put that in kind of the in kind of the the both buckets, right? Um, on the pro section, um, you know, cost can actually be cheaper because maybe now I can buy for your hardware at my data center and at the end user maybe i maybe they don't need to have um you know a laptop at all maybe a laptop with with a 17 inch screen and you know 32 gigs of ram and and this types of thing right maybe they don't need that much maybe a big monitor right because that's what their eyeballs are, are connecting to right but they don't need to have a machine that is super fast yeah, maybe I give them instead a thumb drive, right? I tell them to plug in this thumb drive and power off and restart their home laptop in a particular sequence that boots off that thumb drive straight right. into my Citrix environment. Right. right? So 
So the cost of the thumb drive and dropping the image on the on the thumb drive becomes your cost. Yes. Right? So so now I have the, the ability to tell a person, get anything you want in your house, right? And I'm going to give you this thumb drive, and you're going to still be able to s- securely boot into my environment. You can shut my da- environment down, pull out your thumb drive, reboot your own laptop, be in your own environment, and work fine. And then – this goes along far even farther with the with the with the cost savings is your your IT staff have less things to manage less physical devices to not just manage but to worry about so yes. every time an end user calls me and says I can't click on my start button or or my mouse doesn't work or whatever you can take away a lot of those kind of worries right so you can say hey you're going to be working in the Citrix environment right okay. and so I, my team can hone in on every application. I can make sure that you're all running Word 12.x or whatever it is and, 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 and access and, and SQL and uh, whatever the applications are, and they're all running the same verse. I also have someone saying, hey, I can't run this because so-and-so sent it to me with version 10, right. and I only have version 9. You don't have to worry about any of that because all that manageability cost has gone away because your staff is maintaining a couple of images – Everyone's accessing those images and utilizing those images. So that cost is actually a very difficult cost to to uh, to judge and weigh, but it's a yeah. cost that you see in a in a regular environment that right. is 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 very very good. Right. So let's talk about also a cost savings can be. What if you're maybe a firm where you're doing a lot of AutoCAD, okay, and you're doing a lot of uh, heavy um, graphics computations right sometimes not all the time but sometimes moving to a virtual or vdi environment can actually be a cost savings right because maybe your normal um graphical workstation for someone doing autocad is fifteen thousand dollars right because you've got a crazy huge video card right but maybe you have 10 15 users that all have to buy that same desktop, right? And put it in their office. And that can be, that can actually be very expensive, especially if you get over a certain amount, right? If you've got maybe one or two, okay, well, that's something, yeah, every three years you're buying a new workstation or five years you're buying a new workstation. But after a certain point, if you have 10, 15, 20 people all trying to utilize uh, a desktop that requires that much, then you're like, hmm. Maybe it's maybe you should invest in something that's hosted, and especially with things like Citrix these days. Well, really, I shouldn't say these days. It's been the case for a number of years. You can actually go get um, video cards server that will GPU. fit. Yeah, server GPUs that are basically the same caliber as what people are running on the desktop. So now you could say, hey. You know what? Not everybody, maybe, and, and maybe not everybody is going to use the same application at the same time. Now I can share these graphical uh, heavy desktops with my user base and save money. Sure. It depends <laughs> because <laughs> server GPUs can be expensive. Maybe the prices come down after all the, after all the crypto stuff has kind of gotten a little bit easier. But the point is, in any situation, a virtual desktop can actually make sense. It really depends on your specific solution. Sure, uh, and I, I think I think even at a at a, a lower level. So I, here's the here's one of the places I always like to have uh, virtual desktops is is your administrative staff, right? So your secretary, 
your your maybe not your full blown CFO, but maybe the lady that just puts in the the uh, ledgers, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's all they do basically. Do they really need a full laptop to do that, or can they just yeah. have a access? Because because a you gotta have you gotta physically put this down somewhere. You got to put it on a desk. I have a network cable that runs there. Mm-hmm. If all these things, and then on top of that, you have to have the application on the workstation working. And then when their monitor goes out or their, or the keyboard has a flaky, whatever, all that's a problem. Or, or maybe they, they've done a patch and they're, they can't get, you know, uh, one of their accounting softwares to run correctly. Well, if all that's centralized and these people that do these, you know, they only do one, two, three tasks. That's all they do, right? Yeah. They're they're ideal for 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 virtual desktops because all of that can be centralized, controlled by your by your IT staff, and normalized. Exactly. So same versions of everything. Everything looks the same. Mm-hmm. And that is where a, a, a virtual desktop has always been an environment that, on top of the security piece the easeability for for IT management to support is drastically reduced. So so availability, right? So, you know, the idea is you'll never lose your data. Hardware failures can come and go, you know, if you if you say and and really it's good for people who are doing managed services, right? Maybe I'm managing desktops and my my IT staff is in a different state, different city, different state, maybe even a different country, right? And my end users who are depending on desktops, right? Virtual machines, um, or virtual desktops. You can tell them, hey, if your keyboard doesn't work, go buy a new keyboard. You know, if you're using like a, a thin client, right? Like a Wise Terminal or mm-hmm. something like that. Or maybe your laptop fails. Okay, well, go get a new laptop. And like you said, take that, you know, when you get your new laptop, just plug in that USB drive, turn it on, and it will boot to uh, the cloud, right? Yeah. Um. You know, so it definitely, and it gives, honestly, at the end of the day, and this kind of goes into the flexibility piece, it gives the end user to sometimes get whatever device they want. If I want a Mac, fine. I can do a Mac and, you know, maybe there are certain things I have to do differently, but I'll get whatever hardware that I want to sit in front of and look at. Personally, I like nice big monitors and screens. I can have that, Right. Versus being confined to what maybe my IT organization wants to roll out. Maybe the IT organization says, hey, you only get one monitor. It's a 17-inch monitor, and that's it. You kind of have to go with that. Where now, when you start looking at virtual desktops, you really are at liberty to, you know, get whatever end-user device you want in some cases. And maybe sometimes your, 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 your company may say, hey, look, you have a, you have a, a budget for this. You know, and you can get whatever you want, or if you want to, you know, if you want a 42 inch monitor, that's fine. <laughs> you know, go buy one. You know, th- there's some flexibility there, is what I'm trying to say. There's some sure. availability. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and Michael, you said earlier, you know, you can you can run, you know, whatever operating system you want. You want to be a Linux user on your local machine? Perfect. You need to connect to work to do Word documents? Perfectly able to do. Um, you know, so that and, and, and availability is where it goes. And then of course, upgradability, right? Right. Which we've already touched on, you know, always having all of our clients on the same versions. Yes. You know, that's, 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 it's an obvious centralized management, right. That, that you, that comes with security comes with upgradability. 
Well, the thing, the thing like, in my mind, Faisley, when it comes to upgradeability, is one of the hardest things to to manage when you're running an I2 organization is when does it come the time where you have to tell a user, hey, you're going from Windows 10 to Windows 11, <laughs> okay? And you have to go through and test all your applications and you have to deal with all the things that the user, you know, Windows Windows 11 is a little bit of a different user interface, right? Well, with virtualization, you can actually build out images that are Windows 10, Windows 11, you can introduce the operating system to users. You say, "Hey, try it out for a week. If you don't like it, you can switch back to Windows 10." Yeah. You know, to a certain, to, from a certain standpoint, it gives you the 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 upgrade ability to really, you know, move through the software stack for an end user relatively easy. You want to upgrade your accounting application? You do it on the back end. You can roll back. Um, you know, if if the install or upgrade does not go properly. Uh, there's a lot of flexibility. And then honestly, you know, laptop technology and, and even client technology changes so fast. Uh, if a customer, if an end user wants to get the latest, greatest laptop, they're, they're no longer having to reinstall the operating system and put all their desktop apps back. They just buy whatever hardware they like. They can buy the latest, greatest, and then they just install the client to get to that virtual desktop and they're off to the races. Yeah. So as we're talking through these pros and cons, I wanted to ask something because Eric asked the question earlier, do we have customers asking for this? Mm -hmm. And so far we've talked about pros. It seems great. Has there ever been a time where a customer has asked for it and you've talked them out of it? And if so, why? Um, I try not to talk a user out of it. Normally what I do is I let them make their own decision. And, okay. you know, most times, I mean, especially with today and Eric, jump in if you want to say this, most of the time there, the, 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 the need for making that decision is becoming less and less where it makes sense to go to virtual desktops. And I think I think so. I think when we, I think when we see people and mm -hmm. we talk them out of it, is when, when we start having this. So so let's just say I, I'm already established business, right? Um, and I already have 25 laptops, and they're in various levels of warranty. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then I have to, then I say I'm going to introduce this highly cost. Of, uh, server that's going to be able to run my virtualization, mm -hmm. right? And and so I have this huge upfront cost, and then I'm going to have this licensing piece that I'm going to tag on to that as well, and I'm going to phase out these 25 laptops. Oh, by the way, out of these 25 laptops, basically 17 of them are still supportable for 24 more months. Right. Right. So now I'm in this weird transitionary period where I have this upfront cost to buy a server. And on top of that, I have a monthly co recurring cost to do licensing 
or I have yeah. a yearly recurring cost, however you want to do it, right? But I have to do licensing, and there's there's no more the world where you can buy. I'm gonna buy an RDS license and it lasts forever, right? That doesn't exist anymore. So you're yeah. gonna lease the licensing, and you have to renew it yearly. So now I'm gonna have I'm adding that cost onto the top of the fact that I've already got these working laptops and workstations. So so maybe the scenario does not work out for me as a CFO or a CTO today. Yeah. Maybe that's not the, that's the, where it doesn't work. Where it almost always would work out is I'm a, I'm a, a an upstart. I have no, no hardware. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is easy. I, I dump this on in there. I start building out laptops and as a new employee comes in, I just, t- Hey, I ship them the USB pluggable device. Say, tell them to power up to this and you're, you're in our network. Right. Yeah. So, so this is kind of, these are kind of where you start getting these delineations. So almost always, when we, we see people that talk themselves out of it, right? And Will said, you know, we don't try to convince them one way or the other. Yeah. We, we present them with the availability of it. When they talk themselves out of it, it's almost always because what they currently have invested in their infrastructure and their desktop support will get them through 12 to 24 more months. And you're asking me to add a pretty hefty step in cost to get going so i would say yes you're right eric but i would say when I, and i'm going to come back to answer Faisley's question a little different right the only time it, it it's harder to convince customers and i think the hardest thing to convince customers to move to virtual desktops is, is yeah cost is right up there in fact it's one of the top ones on my on my cons list but right after that is culture shift and Let's say you're a small IT organization, and it really depends on your customer comfort. Is do you want to move, try talking to them about virtual desktops? Because it is a, I would say, in many cases, the hardest thing to get virtual desktops adopted is the culture shift with end users, because they're like they're so used, to, and and I would say most users are so used to Control-Alt-Delete on their local machine, logging in, connecting to the VPN, and doing work, or sitting in the office and doing work. Maybe you don't have to connect to the VPN. But that that culture shift of, like, wait a minute, where's my, where's my documents? You know, I want to plug my thumb drive in and see all my photos on my thumb drive. You know, that type of, of working, it, I would say, would be the biggest hurdle. Now, well, you... Go ahead. I'm sorry. You made that joke earlier about, you know, somebody with a, their favorite cat wallpaper. People have things oriented in a certain way, right? The uh, folders structured in, sure. a, in, in a certain way. I can't find my stuff. You know, um, I, I, I can I can certainly see that. But, but and, and, and to be honest, and to be fair, you can still have your cat wallpapers on your virtual machine, right? On your virtual <laughs> desktop. That is absolutely sure. doable. You can still have your favorites. But the problem is it takes time yeah. to to migrate to that. Now, there are tools that make that much easier. There are things that like where you can clone your desktop. And if you're in an Active Directory environment, it gets easier. But still the point is you do have to have that time where you work with your end users and say, okay, this is what life is going to be like now. Right. And let and, and move forward. And, you know, kind of going back to that customer that, that we did consulting for, we basically they said, listen, we're not really ready to invest in 
a cloud a cloud only solution we're really not ready to invest in something that is like very hardware intensive like vmware horizon view uh that requires kind of like kind of sort of in most situations requires a dedicated environment for your desktops in some situations they're like we just want to step our toe in the water and with that um you know microsoft remote desktop services was using session hosts instead of um, uh, images actually really does do it, it's kind of low-hanging fruit for some people who are wanting to like put their toe in the water and test virtual desktops because with rds you can still have you know a virtual desktop in cloud or in your premises maybe you want to keep those desktops in your four walls right but in your data center or server closet you can have those desktops available to customers with really just the cost of, you know, two or three um, servers, whether they're virtual or physical is up to you, but it's kind of that entry level is that gateway drug into testing out to see if this solution would work for your end users. Do you ever see customers utilize that as a stepping stone? I do. Where they start with RDS and then they transition to I, I do. I do. So for this, Horizon later? Yeah, I do. So for instance, this, this one client we were working with, you know, we, we, we sat with them, got the infrastructure up and running, got the, the session host configured, got the web broker and everything set up properly. And then we did some cross-training with this customer and they came back to me a week later and said, hey, I've got, you know, three virtual desktop types. I have hosted applications. I'm using the web app uh, or remote app. And, you know, it's a little bit of a struggle for customers. But once they kind of get it, they're like, oh, okay, this is, this is easy or it's, it's, it's doable. And he's like, you know, I feel that they're starting to ask for more complex things. And I don't want to give it to them all at once, right? And the point really was is like, before you go invest in a lot of hardware, dedicated hardware for virtualization, try this out first. Typically, we see session hosts and RDS in the DR world because it's kind of a no-brainer. You know, you don't need to have a very expensive desktop environment sitting in DR, but you're not using. So remote desktop services kind of makes sense. But when you start using it for like everyday desktops, there may be other platforms out there that are more robust or more flexible, but for a lot of people, remote desktop scratches that itch that they need on day one. Yeah, I agree. And also our, the thing about RDS as well is your everyday Windows administrator is already using it. Right? Exactly. So they're already yeah. familiar with it because they log into their file server that way or they log into their you know, SQL server or whatever, they're already using RDS. So they kind of get the, the graphs, the concept of that remote desktop. So mm -hmm. they can, so that gateway drug as, as Will used, I love that for this environment because it is kind of like, Hey, so, Hey, Hey, said administrator, it's going to be just like what you do when you're, you're administering your, your desktop for SQL, but you're going to now do that for, for your, end users workstation and so it's kind of an easy transition for them and they already understand it then and they may even be using uh active director gpos to control yes. like what happens when a user logs in to a, a maybe they have a help desk that can manage the sql pot product but they can't manage the actual underlying product right so it's so kind of already get grasp they already kind of grasp all that so exactly so yeah I, we do see that um and it's relatively inexpensive. I mean, licensing is there. You have to consider licensing. But it's, for the most part, 
you know, some organizations may already have the licensing, right? Maybe they have to just buy some additional, um, is it cows or sows for, for, um, for my remote desktops, right? So, right. you know, the culture shift and cost, I think, are cons for, for doing a virtualized desktops envi- environment. Um, availability is a con, and we kind of touched on that a little while ago, right, when we talked about, you know, availability sure. I mean, to the internet. If you, if you don't have a network, you can't do anything. So yes. <laughs> right now on my laptop, I can, I can type a Word document or an Excel spreadsheet or whatever, right? I can do all that. I can do. I can create my power, my PowerPoint slides and whatever on my own desktop. <clears throat> if I have no, if I have no network, nothing happens. So but I think that that's becoming less of a problem than agree. Well, I think, and that's something that, that Will was ago. sure. Will yeah. was even mentioning, you know, with five G and LTE and 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 just. Yep. I mean, those are just those are just wireless technologies. Much less, you know, all of the hard hard based wired options there are out there. So yeah. yeah, but that is a problem. The other problem is, and I, I see this with clients actually, and, and as they start turning and they have an environment, and let's just say they have Citrix servers in their environment and they have 60 users that are logging into it and they're, they're running, you know, some kind of application to support businesses. And for some reason they can't authenticate. Well, Every one of those 60 employees is, is dead in the water, period, mm-hmm. instantly, right? So, so that con, that is a connectivity issue, an availability issue that is not network-based necessarily. Yeah. It could be anything else-based, right? It could be, it could be that your, your hosts aren't getting their time correctly. It could be that, you know, um, your MFA licensing has expired and you forgot to upgrade it, right? Those yeah. kind of things, and, and then your whole but your whole business stops instantly, simultaneously, right? Everyone is in the same boat simultaneously, and then as as the CFO, CEO, really, you start panicking because you're like, "Hey, I can't conduct business mm-hmm. now because of this one gear in my environment." It right? really amplifies yeah. the problem that would have sure. normally been one user or a sure. couple users, and it's like. Whoa! This is this is everything. Yeah. Where, where but here's the good thing, guys. Here's the good thing. You don't have to go all in everywhere, <laughs> right? Sure. And, and you know, this is kind of the beauty of of working with with IT and, and technology. Is again, mm-hmm. it depends. So you know, maybe you kind of want, and I, and we see this a lot. You know, maybe I'm going to stick my toe in the water using virtual desktops to build a more robust DR environment, right? And, that, and that's really the no-brainer, starting out with that. And then we've had some customers go, you know, this this DR stuff, you know, this running this desktop in cloud works pretty darn good. And you can say, well, look, rather than t- changing your entire, you know, your entire user base's experience in a day, why don't you start off with like 10%? And, and have them try it and test it and refine your practices for supporting it and then slowly move into it. So that, that worry of a CFO going, oh, God, I'm completely dead in the water, maybe it doesn't affect all your employees at once. Maybe it's, it's certain segments of your employees. You know? and, and, and that's really the, the, the cool thing is you can really base, you, know, you look at the, the pros and cons, you look at the risk and reward of, of moving to virtual desktops, and it doesn't necessarily have to be all in or all out.
there's some there's I, some there's some flexibility. I agree with that, Will. And, and, and some of the things that I like to counter the CEO with is, is things like, well, let me ask you this question: How often does your file server die? And then they, they come up with a number. Let's say two percent of the time, right? And I say, well, how often does your desktop at Sally's desk fail? And he says, man, it's, you know, pour coffee's on it three times a every week. Every month, every month, something's happening with that with that workstation. Yeah. Or out of my workforce, ten percent of my workforce has a problem every single month, right? Or every single week, right? Yeah. So when you start adding up those costs, and you start seeing what that cost you. And you say, okay, now let's take that risk. And you say you had a two percent chance of an outage on a file server, right? So now your your numbers start. You start doing some math, and then you say things like, say, but we can reduce that as well, right? We can reduce that number by 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 um, making these in in, in the clusters and and, well, and we can well, stuff of that nature, and we can and then we can we can build into redundancies that will allow you to to stay up, right? And also, let's face it, let's just say it's an issue with with um, time management or with uh, buying the software, paying for it. Well, that's stuff that we can, we can administrate around, right? Yeah. We can, yeah. we can build policies in to make sure the bills are paid on time. We can build policies to make sure that someone's checking the time on the server. And guess what? They only have to take, check the time on one server, not 25 workstations, right? Because yeah. by the way, if a workstation's out of time, you will have MFA issues as well, right? So let's just say my, my workstation's two and a half minutes out of time from the rest of the internet. When I contact my MFA solution, it's going to fail because it's going to say this is two and a half minutes in the past or two and a half minutes in the future. And I don't mm -hmm. see where I can authenticate this. So I'm going to reject that. Right. So that, that happens. And that's actually a very common problem. Right. So you see that already in the MFA world, right? Yeah. So, so, having these things administered at, at a single server, you can also reduce the amount of times that that kind of failure is going to happen. And then if we know that that failure is going to happen and it's going to take us 20 minutes to come up from that failure, you've also said, okay, now I have a, a, a true calculation I can put on the cost of this. Well, right? not, not only that, Eric, you know, when we start talking about data protection, we've talked about data protection a lot in these, in our series of podcasts, you know, when you, and especially if you're in a virtualized world, right? You VMware, Hyper-V, whatever, you're backing your infrastructure up, right? So, you know, when we talk about Cohesity, Veeam, you know, these other backup tools that make it able for us to instant recover uh, virtualized, virtualized servers, now you can even extend this into my desktop. So what happens if, you know, maybe my session host or my group of session hosts fail or, God forbid, get hit by ransomware or something like this, Right. I can now go back to my, my backup solution and then within a few minutes, maybe even a few seconds, rebuild or recover those machines prior to the failure. And my end users now are back up and running with very little downtime. So I would say, Correct. you know, in terms of like looking at avoidance of failure, I would say virtualized, des virtualized desktop really brings that to a higher degree of availability than you could with your, your you know, your... Your Dell, your Dell workstation, right? No knock against Dell workstations, but I'm just saying. Yeah. So, so we kind of been going a long way, and I, you know, I, I'm not sure that we even saw this conversation going this far, but um, we haven't gotten into a lot of things that we want to cover, and we may end up having have a, a follow up to this. But yeah. So, so let's look at we let's, very very quickly within three to five minutes, maybe. Let's just name some of the technologies that you could utilize for this. Yeah. Right? 
And then let's tell our people listening, if you have deeper questions about these environments, you can always contact the, 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 the three of us, right? Um, or do some research yourself, right? But we, but this is something near and dear to, to especially William and I's heart. Like we really in, in, are invested in the virtual desktop environment. And, and so, but let's, let's, let's just talk really quickly about some of the options they have, Will. Yeah. And, and then we won't really have to, I don't think we have time to really dive into all the differences between each one of them, but let's just at least address each one of them. Or yeah, a few absolutely. Of them. Absolutely. So, you know, going back and talking about Microsoft remote desktop services, I have, I'll say this again and again, at least for now, that's kind of the gateway drug, right? And most people will start off for, with Microsoft remote desktop because it's easy to implement you go to YouTube and you search for how do I implement RDS and there's like 15, 20 videos with someone doing it step by step, right? So you can and really do Microsoft has really done a very good job with 2016, 19 and 2022 yes. expanding the abilities of RDS and what it can do and making it a much more rich environment. Exactly. So and, and you know, you can do things like printing. Uh, support for Windows, Mac, iOS, you know, it, it, it is the low-hanging fruit when, a, when, a, when an organization wants to try out. So let's say an organization gets RDS. They love it, right? They're like, man, this works great. I love the idea. We're shifting the focus from the focus being on the end user, the, the desktop that they put their hands on, to the cloud. So the next logical turn is to typically give the customer a better experience than RDS. And many times... Customers lean towards Citrix, right? Sure. And Citrix Cloud Platform. And that gives them, you know, the same thing, hosted applications and desktops. But typically, we have a little bit more flexibility on the desktop personalization. There's a univer the Citrix Universal Print Driver that gives you more options for diverse printers uh, that will support the end-user desktop at their home or work. And really, and really, to be honest with you, Citrix bread and butter, much the but more so than just the desktop is that security is their name. Exactly. Yes. So the, you know, the mature Citrix driver for, um, for networking, right? The ICA technology or the receiver, very robust. And some may say Citrix does a better job of, um, of efficiency on the network than, than, than Microsoft RDS or, or, or VMware, right? Uh, PC over IP. Um, and Citrix does have a really good, you know, history of being that, 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 that next step for, for, or sometimes first step for customers. Um, VMware Horizon desktop is also a very popular, right? And, and I will say this again, is a lot of customers, once they've kind of made the decision to go virtualized desktop, and that is a, a big decision to make, they'll go for you know, the kind of the Cadillac, right? And I, th I feel VMware is, is kind of really a very good solution, especially if you're already virtualized uh, your server infrastructure on, on VMware. Uh, the next logical step is to do your desktops, right? In VMware Horizon Desktop, typically, and the good thing about this is, like the other two solutions, Citrix and RDS, is it can run on-prem. It can run in the cloud, right, with now the, sure. the VMware on, you know, VMware on, on Azure, VMware on AWS, but typically, you see it running on prem. It sure. does require. And I think the big, uh, the biggest difference between um, Verizon and what what we think of as Citrix and what we think of as RDS is that it is actual dedicated uh, desktops. Now, exactly. Citrix 
has a full-blown dedicated desktop solution as well. So if you want to go full virtual desktop infrastructure, VDI, Citrix has a very mature platform for that. But typically when you're looking at the Citrix platform, you're not actually talking about virtualized desktops. You're, you're talking about shared desktops. Yes. So a, a big server and a cluster that maybe maybe there's five servers, five Windows servers mm -hmm. running Citrix and 30 or 40 or 50 users per server are logging into that desktop and getting their own desktop experience. That's, that is kind of what Citrix does yes. a lot of very similar to RDS. They yes. do have a full-blown VDI platform, but all you have in Horizon is a dedicated desktop. Exactly. There is no shared desktops. Yeah, yeah. The the thing, and what's really funny about RDS, and, and, and years ago when I first started implementing RDS services for people, when I was doing the installation, I always thought it was session hosts only, right? And when I was doing the installation, um, it basically said, well, which way do you want to take this? Do you want to go session hosts or do you want to do virtual images? And I went, whoa, I didn't think RDS did that. And you can actually do, using Hyper-V, um, spool off virtual machines for your end-user desktops. And it's actually a possibility to do that with RDS. That's why I like RDS as a gateway, right? Because you can kind of get a good feel for what's out there at a very low cost and then kind of tailor your needs as your business needs evolve, right? Anyway, so Horizon View, um, Horizon Desktop, very popular. It, it's definitely out there. We have we have customers that use it. And then when we start shifting to cloud, you know, as we as cloud makes its way in everywhere, and virtual desktops are no exception, right? So we have cloud solutions now that are hosted by um, Microsoft, right? So we have Microsoft Azure Desktops. And then we have Windows 365 desktops. And as you, as, we, as you mentioned a few moments ago, Eric, we will probably come back and do a deeper dive into these cloud solutions because they are quite feature rich. And, you know, sometimes can be a little daunting for, for an end user who's new to virtualization or, or virtual desktops to kind of decide what, what to do, right? Because there are tons of flexibilities in, in both the solutions from Microsoft as well as Amazon um, web services, right? AWS. Yep. So with Microsoft, we have Azure desktops that the desktop does not run on your prem. The desktop is in cloud somewhere in a region, right? And even Microsoft is, is coming out with extended services for Windows 11 where you can shadow your actual laptop session out into a virtual session. Yes. And these are getting a little bit more common. And there's a cost to all this, right? So, that, you know, but those are going to have to be deep dives that we're going to go into the, the use cases for those things because there's a lot of caveats with doing that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we've got to learn this ourselves. I mean, these are things we're, we're kind of testing and deving ourselves, right? And trying to sure. evaluate, you know, this new technology. Is it, is it make sense for people and who does it make sense for and where to use it? Sure. So Microsoft has some really good, um, really amazing things. And they also support different virtual desktops, right? Maybe you have VDI users who, who need a heavy graphics card, right? And you can, you can say, Hey, this person gets a GPU, this one, this one, this one, and the others get a regular GPU, right? So it, give, it gives everybody really the flexibility. And then with AWS kind of following that same suit, right, where you can do these things. Now you have, you know, Linux desktops. You can do things like white labeling your desktop solution. Or even to the extent where maybe I don't want to have the customer have a desktop. Maybe I just want to have a secure browser, <laughs> which is really interesting, right? So 
you know, maybe you have a certain application that runs in a secure cloud and you don't want to have a desktop. You don't want to have a shared application. You need to have that user launch a browser and that browser um, that you're using, you have to guarantee that it's secure. It works in a certain fashion and it's locked down. You can do that now with, with um, it's called Amazon Workspace Web. Very interesting technology. Yeah. So you can listen to us continue to talk about this for the next eight to 12 hours, which may, you know, run into lunch and whatnot. But um, I think, you you know, the listeners have understood that there's a lot to virtualized desktops. There's a lot of things to consider. And hopefully, you know, if, if we have someone listening to this podcast who's, who's interested in it, this kind of gives them some things to think about. And it, actually, if you're listening to this and you're doing any of this, um, we'd love to have you on. We'd, have, uh, we'd love to have your opinions and have your, your daily experience. Like I said, we run Citrix ourselves, right? So we have a Citrix environment, um, and some people use it, like myself, and some people don't. I'm, I, like I, would give you a, on this call. I would give you a couple but, metaphor right now, Eric, but I won't. But I will so, say so, your Citrix environment is pretty cool. <laughs> So, but, but we'd like to have other people's, you know, impressions and, and experiences and, and, and use cases Absolutely. And, and, and reasons why they didn't go with it for some reason, right? So this is, these are good, all these are good conversations that help bring the entire community, make the entire community stronger um, and, and bring us together a little bit better. So if you're listening to this and, and you're disagreeing with some of our analysis, man, we're, send us an email podcast at vineyard.com. Yep. Get us an email. Us, we're happy to have you on or just, or we're happy to take your, your email and then do a response with this. Maybe it's just a, an answer question and answer type um, podcast. But um, yeah, I think there's so many varieties of this and we're, and there's so much more to talk about here, which is how we've gotten to almost an hour here. Yeah. And we have, we feel like we haven't covered anything. Yeah, I thought this podcast was like, man, I hope we make it at least 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, it's like, what was I thinking? But yeah, so guys, if you if um, you know you can you can find us on Anchor FM. Uh, our podcast is hosted there. We're also on Spotify. We're on the iTunes Store. We're on TuneIn. We're on Stitcher Radio. So there's multiple places where you can hear our podcast. Uh, if you have a aggregator where you maybe you you listen to your podcasts or Google you know Google Podcasts, we're, we should be everywhere. Uh, as Eric said, if you want to send us an email, um, podcast at venue.com we'll get we'll we'll talk to us three and also on the web we're at uh, www.venue.com slash podcasts you can also reach us there the one thing about uh, anchor fm uh, is if you would like to send us a voice response you can actually install the anchor app on your phone and actually talk back to us right and we'll, we can um we can maybe post your question um in audio format on the next podcast so, guys, awesome. I think this is going to wrap things up. Uh, it's lunchtime here, and um, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys.